This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. Wayne Wheeler swung his newly sharpened scythe through the alfalfa grass that came up to his hips. At five foot six with a tidy mustache, he didn't very much look the part of an Ohio farmer. His father, Joseph, had insisted that his son become an educated man to go to college and become a lawyer or a doctor. Young Wayne had every intention on following through with his dad's wish. He loved his books. But he also loved the rough and tumble of farm life. Every July, his father would summon him, his siblings, and a handful of farmhands from neighboring towns to the fields, where they would work days on end from sunup to sunset, cutting the season's supply of hay. Wayne liked the feel of the calluses on his hand at the end of the harvest season. He liked being around the farmhands who joked and cursed. Even now, as beads of sweat gathered on his upper lip in the sweltering Ohio sun, he found the musty, comforting smell of freshly cut grass wafting towards the nostrils, intoxicating. But with each passing summer, Wayne noticed something troubling about a number of the farmhands. A few tormented souls who staggered in each morning, eyes bloodshot and smelling of alcohol. They'd sneak sips of their favorite liquid from mason jars, kept out of sight by his devout Congregationalist father. One time, Wayne had been upstairs in his house when a drunken farmhand ran in from the fields in a maniacal rage, muttering in long, slurred sentences, But I ain't gonna do a hideous thing like that until I have my way with you two beauties. His mother and sister were now screaming for help. Joseph, they cried out, Joseph! Wayne cowered under his bed, covering his ears with the palms of his hands, paralyzed by fear. He heard the front door slam open, and the sounds of fists pummeling flesh and bone, thumps and cracks audible through the floorboards. He never saw or heard from that farmhand again, nor was the subject ever spoken about in the Wheeler household. As a boy... Wheeler saw one of his friendly and harmless town residents, a man they called Old Soak, reduced to humiliating drunkenness and have to be helped home by his father. And one day, as Wayne was busy baling hay, a drunken farmhand named Hank approached and began tossing hay everywhere. In his drunken stupor, the pitchfork the farmhand was using wound up jammed deeply into Wayne's leg. It was experiences like these that made Wayne Wheeler conclude that he would never touch alcohol. By 1893, Reverend Howard Hyde Russell was one of the nation's leading crusaders against alcohol. He had founded the Anti-Saloon League, preaching against the perils of the demon drink while a student at Oberlin College. Now, on a return visit to campus, he delivered a lecture on temperance that enthralled many of his listeners but none more so than the student in his early 20s who found the abolition of alcohol to be a mission from God. 
Wayne Wheeler, who had followed his father's wishes and entered college at Oberlin, sought out Russell after his speech. The Reverend was so impressed by Wheeler's passion and zeal that he offered the young man a job on the spot. He believed he had found a worthy apprentice. He was right. In fact, he found someone who would take the Anti-Saloon League to the heights that few had imagined. Wheeler got right to work. As one of only a handful of permanent employees at the Anti-Saloon League, he rode his bike around Cleveland, evangelizing the masses during visits to churches and temperance meetings. He later enrolled in law school, knowing full well that his legal training could only help the cause. Haunted by the memories of a childhood torment, Wheeler believed that only full-scale abolition of alcohol across America would bring safety and comfort. Men could not be counted on to restrain themselves from their vices. The perfect world required absolute control over the individual. Besides, he wasn't going to let any other children cower in fear under their beds, loathing their own helplessness, while the devil's water turned men into demonic savages. However, turning the tide of public opinion against the powerful liquor industry was not going to be easy, and it wasn't going to be pretty. But it had to be done, regardless of the cost. Knowing this, Wheeler put together a temperist army that didn't care about party or ideological labels. The Dries would support any candidate from either party who adopted temperance as his campaign platform. They would use leaflets, advertising, letter-writing campaigns, and visits from temperance advocates to increase public pressure on wavering legislators. Wheeler even coined the term pressure group to explain the league's tactics. This pressure was justified, of course, because Wheeler knew what was best for the communities. The freedom to decide whether to drink alcohol responsibly didn't belong to an individual because those decisions affected the collective. Only sobriety could cure men who tormented their communities, people like Old Soak and Hank. Wayne Wheeler became perhaps the most powerful force in the nation regarding alcohol, as discussed in this National History Day documentary. The Anti-Saloon League was the leading group of the Prohibition movement. In 1909, it even opened up the American Issue Publishing Company and spread its ideas and values more and more. Wayne Wheeler, while not the group's official president, led the group through the movement. Wheeler was merciless in his crusade for Prohibition. By 1903, the Anti-Saloon League had, with his help, forced all 70 of their political targets out of office and at one point driven Ohio Governor Myron T. Herrick out for wanting to modify one of the Anti-Saloon League's bills. In 1915, he left behind his dry comrades in Ohio and went to Washington, D.C. to become the general counsel for the entire Anti-Saloon League of America. He scaled his pressure group tactics into a nationwide level and became one of the most effective lobbyists of his time. The Prohibition movement was quickly gaining momentum. Ken Burns, from his documentary, Prohibition. It was clear that millions of Americans had now come to support Prohibition for all sorts of reasons. Democrats as well as Republicans. Progressives as well as conservatives. Free thinkers as well as churchgoers. Some of the richest industrialists in the country, including Andrew Carnegie and Henry Ford, backed Prohibition. 
because they believed alcohol undercut the output of their workers. The radical industrial workers of the world were for it too because they thought alcohol was part of a capitalist plot to weaken the working man. In 1920, thanks in large part to Wheeler's efforts, the 18th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which banned the manufacture, sale, and transportation of intoxicating liquors in the United States, went into effect. Prohibition was now in force across the nation. But instead of creating a new perfect world, the law opened the door for bootleggers and organized crime to make millions of dollars from the distribution of liquor illegally. So you have millions of lawbreakers, perfectly law-abiding citizens otherwise, who now are breaking a federal law by drinking. And so the line becomes blurred, and organized crime is much more intertwined in American life because of prohibition in a way that it had not before then. That was of little concern to Wheeler. The drunks and brutes that scared him when he was young would not be able to scare anyone else. But the links to which this man would go and to get the United States to agree are truly sickening. So Wayne Wheeler came up with this idea and met with cabinet members uh, from the government and met with bureaucrats uh, from the various organizations, mostly the the Treasury Department. Progressives. Progressives. And um, he had the bright idea that what they should do is start putting poison into whiskey and then releasing it into the public. And that would give the government both a mechanism to catch people who were drinking because they would show up at hospitals very, very sick. But if they died, well, they're not supposed to be drinking anyway. He actually, Wayne Wheeler referred to drinking as treasonous um, because the uh, prohibition was actually passed as a constitutional amendment. Therefore, you were opposed to the Constitution if you were still drinking. So he referred to it as treason. So the government went along with this. The government actually went along with this plan that came from a lobbyist, and they uh, started putting various forms of poison, wood alcohol and things of that nature, into uh, whiskey and then releasing it out into the public as a means to both catch people who were continuing to drink um, and potentially poison and kill people who, you know, as a form of punishment. Up to 50,000 Americans paid the ultimate progressive price. They were essentially murdered by Wayne Wheeler and their government. But such is the price of progressivism. Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com.